Do you remember how much fun it was to learn about the solar system, the planets, the plants, or states of matter? I can still remember doing experiments in my elementary classrooms, as well as learning about all the really cool, smart, brave people from history. Going home and telling my family about all the interesting facts that I learned that day was actually pretty cool. And man, did my friends and I love to one-up each other on our knowledge about facts that we learned in school. But that isn't the reality in classrooms anymore. The fact is that we spend almost all our time focused on reading and math and almost no time teaching about science or history, you know, social studies. The fact is, it's boring. Practicing a skill over and over again, but never having anything to show for it is incredibly frustrating. And I can only imagine how boring it is for the kids to sit through day after day of skill practice when they never get to actually go home and say, today I learned something about King Tut or Egypt or ancient Greece or the solar system. Today, we're going to talk about what we have been doing in schools in regards to reading and math skills focus and what we could do to make school motivating again. Hi, I'm Jessica Curtis of Teaching Struggling Learners. I'm a boy mom and a veteran teacher. You're listening to the Reaching Struggling Learners podcast where we talk all about helping students succeed academically, socially, and behaviorally. Thank you so much for tuning in. A few months ago, I was talking to my eight-year-old about school and asked him what he was learning in science or social studies class. He looked at me like I had five heads and told me, we don't do that stuff. I figured that he had no idea what he was talking about, so I looked up his classroom schedule to prove to him, you know, that the daily 60 minutes or so that he worked on science and social studies was in fact science or social studies. You know, I, being the all-knowing mom, I knew what was going on, right? I'm the one, me. I had no idea what she was talking about. In his classroom schedule, there was allotted 15 minutes daily, right before pack-up time, for science or social studies. Yet there is no way in the world that they were getting any science or social studies time in. That made me look into a whole bunch of other classroom schedules because, you know, they have them all posted on different, you know, you know how we do it. And it wasn't the exception. It was the rule across elementary schools, and I've worked in different states, so I looked at different, you know, different elementary schools that I've worked at, and it, it's true, that was the rule, that was not the exception. No wonder when I asked my kiddo what he learned that day in science or history, he looked at me like I was crazy, because I was. So between grade level skill practice and reading and math, then the intervention times for reading and math, and of course, specials, recess, lunch, those things, which I am absolutely 100% for and we will not, should not cut out. There is literally no time left for science or social studies. Science and social studies, 
learning about the cool things that happen in history in and learning about all the science, the way our world works, it's basically forgotten because there's such a massive push for kids to be able to do reading or do math. But the science and history is where the fun is in school. So no wonder kids are bored and they're unmotivated. And by the way, no wonder when they get to high school, their chemistry teacher is looking at them like, hey, guys, hey, up here, we're talking about atoms. And the kids go, huh, what's what's an atom? I get it. I understand that now. I wouldn't like school either if all I did was practice skills that were super hard for me. And I never got to feel like I walked away with new knowledge. Even as an adult, I can't possibly count the number of times a week I get that buzz of learning a new fact, that, oh, that's cool, response when I learn something new. But the kids get that so infrequently at school. Yeah, I bet it really is hard for them to pay attention or to motivate themselves to focus in class. Of course it is. Now, I know for years, teachers have been told that teaching facts are developmentally inappropriate. But quite frankly, get out of here with that. We know that kids love to learn facts. They love learning facts about animals, plants, rocks, dinosaurs, you name it. They love to learn new things about their favorite topics. And they love to share what they've learned with everyone around them. Kids ask thousands of questions daily, thousands. It hurts my heart. There's so, there's so many questions, like my brain can't handle it. But they do that because they want to know facts about the world around them. And by not teaching them facts about topics, we are preventing them from enjoying the educational experience. Kids are naturally curious. So why in the world would we ever not take advantage of that to educate them. So here's the thing. Our reading and math scores have been going down, down, down for as long as I've been in education. And let's be honest, especially in reading. We can, of course, talk about the science of reading and all that. But right now, let's just focus on comprehension, since that's where we've been losing our minds for years and years and years. It is easier to read a text about a topic with which you're familiar than one that is unfamiliar to you. Having just a little bit of knowledge about the topic you're reading about, including knowing even some of the most basic vocabulary terms, makes reading anything about that topic easier. The more you know about the passage topic, the easier it is to read the passage. For example, ask me to read an article about progress monitoring, data collection, reading theories, how to teach basic math concepts. I'm going to breeze right through it and I'm going to have fun. Ask me to read an article about sports therapy and I'm probably going to cry. In a nutshell, when we continue to give passages on random topics so that the students can practice their reading comprehension skills, like identifying main idea and details, we are making it harder for the kids to comprehend the passages. If we actually want to make reading comprehension easier or more accessible for our kids, we have to develop their knowledge base. We all want to see real gains in reading comprehension on, in the general education tier one curriculum. But to do that, we have to develop kids' knowledge. We have to. What does this mean? Quite frankly, unit studies. 
Oh, that is a blast from the past for so many of us, but it's the truth. Study a specific time in history or a science topic. Teach the vocabulary. Incorporate it in reading as math as much as possible. And you will not only increase the vocabulary of the students, but also the reading comprehension on the passages that you give them. And huge bonus here, the kids' confidence and their ability to read the passages are going to go up. And we know if they're confident in their reading ability, they're more likely to read and their reading gets better. It's like this whole thing. It's amazing. It's really, really cool. With that increase in confidence, it comes, it comes with an increase in motivation to learn more and not just on that topic, but related topics. Because all of a sudden, the kids feel like they're learning things. They look forward to learning more the next time they interact with that topic. Kids love to share what they already know about a topic. They're little know-it-alls. We know that. It's kind of annoying sometimes. It's cute, but it's annoying. But it's so much easier to do that when they know something about a topic and we can build on their knowledge. All of that allows us teachers to then increase the DOK depth of knowledge questions that we can ask. How many of us have had, you know, been dinged on our evaluations because we didn't ask, you know, appropriately difficult DOK questions? I know I have. I couldn't do it because my kids didn't have the, the prior knowledge to be able to apply to, to get those higher level thinking going, all right? But if we can give them that prior knowledge, we're getting their little brains more and more engaged in their learning. In the end, that's what we're looking for, isn't it? Right? So, okay, I can hear the villages with the villagers with pitchforks coming for me, which, okay, that's fine. I'm up for it at this point. Bring it. But I will say, do kids need interventions in reading and math and writing? Absolutely, they do. We have a painful number of students out there with massive gaps in their learning, more than any of us are really able to come to terms with right now. Nobody wants to admit how bad it is right now. We have to provide interventions to fill those gaps. We need to do MTSS interventions, progress monitoring to fill the gaps, but we need to fix our tier one curriculum. If we were doing tier one right, there wouldn't be nearly as many gaps for us to fill. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back (laughs) who aren't listening. If we were doing tier one right, there wouldn't be nearly as many gaps for us to fill. We've been saying it for years in various ways, but I'm going to say what we all know. This is about the whole child, their love of learning, their natural curiosity, not just their reading and math skills. It's time we start thinking logically about what our students need to make real gains. And it isn't just more time in reading and math skills practice. Next week, we're going to talk about why reading comprehension interventions aren't working and what we can do to fix it. Until next time, may your coffee be strong, your students calm, and your interventions effective. Bye. Bye.